welcome to the Urban Christian Woman podcast, where we seek to restore women with God's truth for their everyday lives. I'm Tashika Oliver. And I'm Leah Ross, and we're your hosts. This season, we've got some exciting things in store. So join us as we study God's word, celebrate women living faithfully on mission, and dive into cultural issues through a biblical lens. You ready, Tashiva? Girl, yeah, I'm ready. All right, let's, let's go. go. Hey, ladies, welcome back to the Urban Christian Woman podcast. We are in this beautiful series, Sheroes of the Faith, Lesser Known Women in Scripture. And we have the joy and delight to be able to uncover or introduce um, and make known our sister Rizpa, the a mother of violent crime victims, the mother of violent crime victims um, in 2 Samuel 21, 1 through 14. And Leah, I am so grateful to have this conversation. I know when I was reading this narrative, I was thinking of, we live in Cleveland, you know, um, I live right outside of the inner city of Cleveland. And I was thinking of Tamir Rice and his mother um, as I was reading this narrative. Um, and so the Tamir Rice's, the Philando Castile's, the um, the many others, right? Um, you were in St. Louis during um, Ferguson and what took place in Ferguson, right? With Michael Brown. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's just so much here. Even as I'm saying their names, I can feel in my body the lament yeah. and the grief still. And so yeah. I feel humbled that we're able, that the Holy Spirit is allowing us to um, talk about RISPA today and somehow mm-hmm. that um, we can pray for even the mothers that we know who are mothers of violent crime victims. And I, I just want to say, not just mothers who have endured violent crimes from um, abuse of power, but I would also say mothers of violent crimes from um, gun violence or any violence done to their children um, through right. mass shootings, through fill in the blank. And so um, RISPA, 2 Samuel 21, 1 through 14, can you read it for us? Yes. So this is found in 2 Samuel 21. Uh, During David's reign, there was a famine for three successive years. So David inquired of the Lord. The Lord answered, it is due to Saul and his bloody family because he killed the Gibeonites. The Gibeonites were not Israelites, but rather a remnant of the Amorites. The Israelites had taken an oath concerning them, but Saul had tried to kill them in his zeal for the Israelites and Judah. So David summoned the Gibeonites and spoke to them. He asked the Gibeonites, What should I do for you? How can I make atonement so that you will bring a blessing on the Lord's inheritance? The Gibeonites said to him, we are not asking for silver and gold from Saul or his family, and we cannot put anyone to death in Israel. So whatever you say, I will do for you, David said. And they replied to the king, as for the man who annihilated us and plotted to destroy us so we would not exist within the whole territory of Israel, let seven of his male descendants be handed over to us so that we may hang them in the presence of the Lord at Geba of Saul, the Lord's chosen. The king answered, I will hand them over. 
David spared Mephibosheth, the son of Saul's son, Jonathan, because of the oath the Lord that the Lord had that was between David and Jonathan, Saul's son. But the king took Armoni and Mephibosheth, who were the two sons whom Rizpah, daughter of A, had borne to Saul, and the five sons whom Merab, daughter of Saul, had borne to Adriel, son of Barzillai, the Meholathite, and handed them over to the Gibeonites. They hanged them on the hill in the presence of the Lord. The seven of them died together. Mm. They were executed in the first days of the harvest mm. at the beginning of the barley harvest. Mm. Rizpah, A's daughter, took sackcloth and spread it out for herself on the rock from the beginning of harvest until the rain poured down from heaven on the bodies. She kept the birds of the sky from them by day and the wild animals by night. When it was reported to David what Saul's concubine Rizpah's daughter of Ai had done, he went and got the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan from the citizens of Jabesh Gilead. They had stolen them from the public square of Bethshan, where the Philistines had hung the bodies the day the Philistines killed Saul at Gilboa. David had the bones brought from there. They gathered up the the bones of Saul's family who had been hanged and buried the bones of Saul and his son Jonathan at Zelah in the land of Benjamin in the tomb of Saul's father Kish. They did everything the king commanded. After this, God was receptive to the prayer for the land. Mm. The word of the Lord. Mm. I mean, yeah, that's a heavy heavy narrative. That's heavy. Girl, as you're, I almost like, whew. To take a pause. So much death. It's so much death, and um, and and not just death, but that there is no peace in the land mm-hmm. when there is death and violence this way. There's no rest in the land, you mm-hmm. know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, just going through this narrative, Rispa is. Um, a concubine of Saul's. She has these, she's a mother of these two boys and she finds herself advocating for the peace of her son's bodies being put to rest in the ground. And so Mm -hmm. because of the sins of their father, Saul, Saul in 2 Samuel 21 is the reason, right? It talks about how David is inquiring of the Lord and the Lord makes known, right? That um, Saul has... um, you know, he he has he has done genocide against the people, and there he has killed the Gibeonites, and things need to be made right, and that's why there's a famine in the land. Um, and so David is seeking to make repair for Saul's massacre and genocide of these Gibeonites, and um, he goes and asks the Gibeonites how they're to make repair. And they're like, yo, we don't want money. Mm-hmm. We don't even um, want um, to kill the entire family, right? Um, because we can't put anyone to Israel in death. But I right. found it. They had this treaty between them. They so had this treaty between them, right? Mm-hmm. And this oath goes all the way back into um, earlier times. So yeah, we can sort of um, link that in our... Um, in the IG for the the other narrative that's connected to them about this oath um, as well. So, but anyway, so they're like, no, we don't want all of that. We actually just want the sons 
of Saul to be hanged, these seven descendants, right? And seven is this number of completion, um, this atonement to be to be done towards these descendants. Um, and David agrees and is settled. And so they end up taking Rizpah's two sons um, that are born to Saul. And then they also take Saul's daughter's sons. And those are the other five that are hanged. Mm-hmm. They hang them, they leave them on this hill in the presence of the Lord. And I find it very ironic that it's during the time of heart, like there's a famine and there's a harvest going on and there's mm-hmm. death happening. Like just sit that there. And so yeah. there's this time of harvest, which will be reaping. And here is Rispa, who is seeing her sons being ripped away from her, the father's sin and satisfying this wrath-filled death, right, during this time of harvest. And so we see Rizpah, she is mourning. She's mm-hmm. she's laying over the bodies, protecting them day and night, the sons, mm-hmm. the grandsons, this concubine, and laying her body over them because they have not had a proper burial. Like, justice has not, it's almost like a form of justice has not been fully satisfied because their bodies right. are not at rest. They're just, bones are just all over the place, right? Yeah. There are even yeah. some bones that are left in another area where um, where there had been killing, um, where there had been uh, killing done. So Rispa is watching and protecting over these bodies. And though the time is not known in the in the specifics of how long she was there, um, what was known is that she stayed there until her sons, these seven sons' bodies received justice and peace and their bodies were mm-hmm. at rest. Um, and so... Um, that's the narrative. I mean, it's heavy. And mm-hmm. I think about like, you know, particularly this being the time of Lent as well, like as we're recording this and the sign of the ashes and repentance and the the ways in which um, Lent was sort of made known was through sackcloth, through ashes, through mourning, right? And here we are, and this mother is laying over the body of the bones because they have not rested. You know what I'm saying? Like there's repentance has not been fully had. They are not mm-hmm. at rest, even though... Um, this oath has been made, this this restoral of this covenant and oath has been made right with the Gibeonites. And so mm-hmm. what stands out for you, Leah, um, in this narrative? Man, yeah, Rispa is um, a shiro to me because despite her standing socially uh, as a concubine, only slightly higher than a slave, lower than a wife, basically Saul's properties, right? No power. Um, And what was, she was in the household basically to be there as a need for sexual satisfaction and being provided food and clothing. And then she was just there, right? They're they're also, she's also seen as property for pawn, um, as pawns for political power. Basically there to just have Saul's babies and continue his line. And if, necessary be traded out for political power yet in the midst of that she has a an inherent passion fueled by her motherhood that outweighs her position Mm -hmm. in society 
She knows what is right. And she wants her son's bodies to be at peace in the ground because one, I believe maybe she even knew that that was what Saul and David were supposed to be living by. If you look at the text in God's law, Mm-hmm. And not only that, they were so exposed. There is a collective sense of shame and dishonor in yes. that. It's just dishonorable. And her, this motherly maternal love and passion says, I don't want my sons just exposed in this perpetual shame. She's fueled by that love. Um, and she knows not only that, but like there is no one else out here that's holding David accountable to this unjust exposure and lack of burial. And so she sort of presses into this, listen, no justice, no peace, right? (laughs) She presses into that. She presses into With her whole entire body, Body. right? Her body, girl. With her body. With With her her body. body. And she... And again, why, Toshiba, why do I feel like all of these episodes are us basically going back to, hey, this woman had no recourse, right, in society. (laughs) I'm like, how many times we said that? But it's so true. If you think about it, she couldn't have just appealed to the king. She couldn't have just come in that space. Yeah, She had to lay her body in a space that was uh, conspicuous and exposing. Her body laid on the line is what brought attention to this injustice and set things right. Now, I don't want to go. Did you just hear what you said? Her body laid on the line. I mean, laid on the line. Think of. Do you hear me? Do you hear me? Do you hear the the Christ parallel right there? She's an echo. She's an echo. That's all I'm going to say. Of our great one to bring about justice because of the laying down of her body. So I'm just saying, there's that. So that we could have so at, peace yes. with God. Mm-hmm. Peace. Peace with God. He did not count Restoration. a thing to be great. Girl, don't get me going in here this morning. As she laid her body out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when we look at this, let's let's dig even a layer deeper. God is using her life in this grand narrative. One, we just said as an echo of Christ laying down his body. And what other ways do we see her life echoing God's grand narrative? I mean, she she cares about justice and rest to their bodies. Yes. But also her care extends to people that weren't even involved in this particular conflict. Because if you look in the narrative, when David is stirred to set things right, he goes and finds the bones of Saul and Jonathan. Come on. And he's like, we're we're just going to bury them all together because honor would say that a son should be buried with his father. father. So Saul, Jonathan, and these other sons of Saul's are all gathered and buried together. Through her active protesting, she actually brings restoration to not just her own, but also others as well. Mm. And in this time of Lent, how we are journeying through the journey of Jesus going to the cross and how he is protesting a law that was not fulfilled until he went to the cross. Mm-hmm. 
and the way in which God's law was being falsely handled <laughs> towards a made legal, a mockery of a made a mockery it was, of it was made a mockery of oof girl and no one could set it right outside of Jesus so outside of Jesus mm, hallelujah yes. to the lamb that was yeah. slain um and so the other thing that we see who I am so just full right now I mean we mm-hmm. could leave it right there but the the, the last thing mm-hmm. that we mm-hmm. see and interpret from this narrative with with uh Rispa as well as with uh Saul with David is that political leaders often do not practice perfect judgment. Mm-hmm. Like this whole narrative could have been avoided. These bodies being hanged could have been That's avoided right. if Saul would have remembered the oath that was made by his predecessors. And so often Mm -hmm. uh, political leaders have this desire for power that can diminish their uh, uh, ability to embody humanity, a sense of humanity. And we see Rizpah doing the opposite. She is in, she mm-hmm. is in an embodied sense of the material and immaterial through the loss of these sons, laying her body out and saying, listen, this is not as it should be. And mm-hmm. so um, where Rispa mm-hmm. has no power and she's in the margins, she uses and leverages the one thing that she has, which is her mm-hmm. body. Mm-hmm. For mm-hmm. restoration and a setting of things right. And so if you're looking at this narrative and maybe you're like me, sometimes my view of political leaders in our westernized uh, governmental system, I have a little bit more hope in them than I should actually have. Uh, <laughs> and... And to understand that political leaders do not practice perfect judgment. And so mm-hmm. we can pray for them towards that avail that they would practice true justice, true, uh, perfect judgment that is found in God, but also knowing that they will not do that and that those things would um, would not create legacies of wrong but that mm-hmm. there would be restoration on the other side. And it's our responsibility. We're not the people in power, you know, but do we see the humanity of others that we're even willing to advocate mm-hmm. for that? And so when we're looking at Rispa's life and being able to see how does she convey the attributes of God, we see her displaying in this narrative, this uh, the love, the love of a mm-hmm. mother Mm-hmm. The patience to be out there day and night. Mm-hmm. Okay, day and night watching over it, knowing that she could be maimed by animal or any other. Right. I mean, like this woman, what? Right. Just when on I a think real about practical this, level as a woman, on a, like on a practical level, you out there at night with some wild animals, with animals for love, you know, though, and her yeah. love, just her love, her patience to stay there day and night. And then her wisdom of I do not have any power in the structures, but what I what do I have? I have my body. 
I Mm -hmm. am my body. I am my body. And she uses that as a point. God uses that wisdom to enact a justice to bring peace and rest. How powerful is it too? Because the word makes it all the, like word of what she's doing makes it back to the king. They're like, did you see? Did you you know that this was going on? (laughs) When it was reported to David what Saul's concubine Rizba, daughter of Ai, had done, he went and got the bones of Saul and all these other bones and restored. When it was reported reported what she had done, we're getting back of this woman who is protesting with her whole entire body day and night. Mm, mm, mm. And the fact For that- For months. I mean, yes. we're saying, we're yes. this is saying like potentially like April until October. For yes. months. Yes. And just as much as this woman, there has been uh, seven sons made for atonement. These generations and these seven men are making full restoration for the genealogical Mm. line of Mm. bones that have not been placed at rest. Mm. Mm. Yeah, her her level of sacrifice, I think, too, is an attribute. Absolutely display the narrative as we talked about, even where it parallels Jesus. And then we see also like God's incommunicable attributes in this narrative. God alone is sovereign. How is he acting on the land, right? Withholding and giving based on justice and injustice, things that are not fully set right. I mean, we were talking about in a previous episode, this definition of justice, everyone as we should be and everything as it should be. What is what is true is that God allows um, the weight of the injustice to be expressed in the land, right? Mm-hmm. When we think about the fact that there was this famine. Ladies, if you're enjoying the ministry and content of The Urban Christian Woman, would you take a minute to write a review and give us a rating on iTunes? Our goal is to get truth into the hands of urban women. You can help us by leaving even a one-sentence review and some stars. This simple act will help increase our visibility for more women to find this podcast and resources to help equip them in their everyday lives. So girl, what you waiting for? Just go ahead and do it right now. And if you haven't yet, join our community on social media. You can find us on Instagram at The Urban Christian Woman, Facebook, The Urban Christian Woman, and on our website, which is theurbanchristianwoman.com. Let's move to Toshiba as we think about what we can embody from Rizba's story. What um, are we looking at both? We've been sort of hitting this through a promise and a practice. What are we looking at in Rizba's story that we can embody today? Yeah, I think the promise that we can embody today is that um, that God does want justice and he does want peace. And that is a promise. And we can even see like literally through the narrative of Rispa, even these ways in which we see the echo of Christ in the foreshadow of Christ coming and setting all things right in the world, right? 
setting things right through his death, burial, and resurrection and what he did on the cross. And Mm -hmm. that his desire is for justice and peace. And so when we think about this, um, we can lean into the things that we see in our world, whether they're mass shootings, whether they're um, uh, crimes done at the hands of those who are in political power. And we can lament, Mm -hmm. we can grieve those things, and we can also be advocates to say, this is not the justice and peace that Christ has given, but only justice and peace are resolved through what he has done on the cross. And so Mm -hmm. I think the promise of that is when we engage with narratives like Rizpas and Mothers of Violent Crimes, we can say things are not as it should be and Mm -hmm. that there is a lack of justice and a lack of peace in the land when we see violence done, violent crimes done against victims, whether it's through um, political powers um, enacting that lack of justice, um, whether it's Mm -hmm. through violent crimes done on um, human to human, um, in um, in gang violence or um, uh, in mass shootings, and that right. we have won through what Christ did in laying Himself out, as we've talked through in the podcast. He is our peace, and His justice will be completed when he returns. And so we can mm-hmm. rest in that promise that though there's a lack of justice and a lack of peace in this world, in the lives of mothers who have um, mm-hmm. experienced that violence crime done to mm-hmm. uh, their family members, to their children, that God himself is is making those things right. Yeah. 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 And then know, I want to lean in. Yeah. yeah what about I want to lean into the practice. So, yeah. So I want to lean into the practice um, because there's something, even as you were talking, that I, I think is a, a really incredible thing to highlight, which is that Rizpa, um, as we were talking about using her body to petition the king, like when we spiritually mother, first of all, she she was a mother and she was a mother in a way that not only restored her own um, deceased children, but also others in the community. So we think about us as spiritual mothers who are, first of all, we call to care for. Mm. And this is a practice that we can embody in our communities, not just our own children, but what ways are we meant to mother in a way that creates a communal blessing? Um, what ways are we meant to spiritually mother in order to model sacrifice, to model care, communal care, and to model a pursuant a, a pursuit of justice and flourishing for a whole community? And that for Rizba, she does this in the laying down of her body to get the attention of the of the king. But I'm like. What is the iteration today when we lay down our bodies in petitioning the Lord on behalf of our children, Mm. our spiritual children, and our communities? Amen. This is a call to practice 
pure intercession, right? Petitioning God on behalf of our children, our spiritual children and our communities. An embodied sense of praying and praying in a way that is embodied, that it's actually expressed also in our care and what we do in our sacrifice, in our actions. Like that's to me how she spiritually mothers with an eye towards that petition for um, justice and flourishing for her community. Mm. So mm. if we can mother like that, Ooh. then we can mother like like Rizpa the Shiro. Okay, that's that's where I feel it. Wow, absolutely, girl. As you were talking, I was like, you know, I am not. Um, There are some organizations out here who have dedicated themselves towards mothers in prayer and moms in prayer. I've heard some of these groups, right? Mm -hmm. And I never, when you were talking about that, to connect being a spiritual mother that way in my community, girl, just hit a whole resounding chord Mm -hmm. in my Mm -hmm. personhood. Mm -hmm. Leah... And I have been talking about, and this is a slight tangent, but Leah and I have just been talking about, you know, where our children are in school, um, the context mm-hmm. that they find themselves. And I'm like, I am called in this season to operate in a spiritual mothering. And I know other women who I can invite into that very good work to pray right. with me and lay ourselves out before the throne room of heaven through intercession to pray and to bring those needs. And and even ask my principal, like, hey, what are some challenges that you're facing? And bring that into intercession. Mm-hmm. 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 Yeah. The mamas on my block in the margins, like bringing that into intercession. But I'm thinking just practically and tangibly. So... Leah, I feel so led by the Spirit to just close us out in prayer and that um, that the Lord would allow us to even um, model the example of Rispa today through wisdom and that the Lord would give us wisdom as to how we're go to go about being spiritual mothers as intercessors. And so, Father in heaven, we give you these moments of our time. We thank you for the life of our sister, Rispa. We thank you for this woman who had no recourse of action, who was seen as property, and yet you leveraged her very personhood for your authority and good work. And so, Father, I pray for us as women that we would not take lightly who we are as image bearers, that we would not um, think of ourselves less than we ought to, but Father, that we understand the great uh, responsibility and care that you have for us and how you've made us and framed us, that we will find ourselves on the throne room of heaven laid out in intercession for um, those who lack justice, the things that Mm -hmm. are not at peace in our communities, on our blocks, with other people that we know who are on the margins. Father, I pray that you would grant us wisdom 
got to come alongside those who are in our community and to ask what are the challenges that we are facing and that we would bring those to the throne room of heaven and that we would be intercessors in our care of people and in our humanity, that we would spiritually cover the bones that are dead. Mm-hmm. And that you would bring peace. And we entrust this to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Mm-hmm.